Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. All right, so let's get straight into the thinking point then. The rise of inflation is a phenomenon that has been felt the world over, accompanied by escalating food and fuel costs. They're stretching the budgets of ordinary people. We've seen a recent protest taking place in the taking place in the likes of Haiti, Germany, Kenya, Argentina, among others. Many, of course, in response to this shutdown in South Africa, very skeptical about what such a protest would accomplish. Professor Stephen Friedman is Director of the Centre for the Study of Democracy at the University of Johannesburg. Professor Stephen, <laughs> Professor Friedman, rather, good morning to you. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning. Hi, good morning, Cathy. Thank you. L- let's talk about why you think it is that this idea of a shutdown is not resonating with South Africans in the way that one would have anticipated, given it seems like such an easy issue to try and organize people around? Well, Cassie, part of our problem is we don't know how much resonance it's having because there was a time in this country's history when if you had an event like this, there would be uh, trained researchers who would be on the telephones and using other sources of information to tell us exactly how effective this is being. And unfortunately, because these events have become very rare, uh, that's no longer the case. So, you know, if, like me, you're trying to understand what's going on, you listen to the news bulletins, and this morning I've heard one news bulletin telling me that the taxis are operating entirely as normal. Mm. I then hear your SAFM traffic person telling me that the traffic is much lighter than usual. So, you know, between those two reports, one really doesn't know what, what, what is happening. Um, but um, I think that if you are talking about people who've been critical of this uh, this event uh, in the media and so on, um, I think there are various reasons for that. Um, but, uh, you know, one of them is that the uh, credibility of the union movement uh, has taken a huge knock over the last few years. And I think people are therefore quite cynical when... Uh, actions like these are called, uh, that they will actually be effective and that they will actually change anything. There was a part of me that was thinking this morning, Prof, if this had anything to do with uh, the hangover, if I can describe it as that, from the July unrest, that um, perhaps South Africans are generally apprehensive about mass shutdowns of, 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 of this nature because of what happened in, in July? Look, I I must stress again, we must not generalize about South Africans. Mm. Uh, The the reality is that the way our country works is that the voices one hears, and that's not a criticism, it's simply a description of reality. Uh, The people who phone into radio stations, the people who participate in Twitter polls and uh, who express themselves through uh, digital platforms, etc., are at most about one-third of the country. So, you know, we don't know terribly much about what the other two-thirds are thinking. And that is precisely why, uh, when an event like this is called, we really lose out quite a lot by the fact that we don't have adequate information about how many people uh, are participating in these events, how many people support them, and so on. So you may well be right that... uh, 
there's a generalized feeling of, of uh, disappointment among South Africans at the union movement, but we don't actually know that uh, unless we have far more information, and unfortunately that information is lacking at the moment. Do you think that it is surprising that we have not seen mass organization around issues like the high unemployment rate in the country. I mean, we're sitting with one of the highest unemployment rates in the world. And yet when we look at what has been happening elsewhere um, in the world, there have been all sorts of protests, um, sometimes that seem to be happening sporadically, very much led um, by people who are effectively saying that, you know, they've they've had enough of, of the economic status, the non-changing economic states in, in their own country. Yes, I think that's a very important point, and, and, and I agree with you. I, uh, I mean, one of the great ironies of, of South Africa today is that if you look at our country's history, I mean, we've had for many years uh, a very, you know, very strong trade unions, uh, strong voices uh, talking about the issues which concern working people and people who are poor. And one of the great uh, odd features of this country at the moment is how weak those voices are at the moment, uh, which, which, you know, takes us back to some of your earlier questions. Uh, you know, if, you would, if we were dealing right now with what we were dealing with as a country 20, 25 years ago, which is a situation where uh, if the action was called today, you would have literally had hundreds of thousands of people staying at home. Uh, if we were in that sort of situation... Uh, then I think, you know, government would be forced to look at these poverty issues a lot more urgently than it's forced to look at them at the moment. So one of the very interesting features of South Africa today is that a country with the kind of tradition we have uh, is now in a situation where the voices who are concerned about poverty, who are concerned about inequality, uh, are very weak uh, and very muted. Um, and, uh, you know, where, as you've been pointing out, when when they announced that they're going to protest or stage a, a, an action like today, uh, people don't take it terribly seriously because of the, the fact that they have been weak over the last few years. Professor Friedman uh, will st- continue with you in a moment. It's just after 9.30. Time for your latest headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right, we continue with our thinking point, getting the reflections of uh, Professor uh, Stephen Friedman. He's the director of the Center for the Study of Democracy at the University of Johannesburg. Uh, Professor Friedman, one of the things that, that, that I'd like you to do for us, just before I let you go, I mean, you're a social scientist, and, and in many ways, part of your work also includes just helping us understand the behavior of people, the behavior of, of societies. You, you've talked about our history and what then having the kind of history we do would have perhaps meant for um, South Africa today. So the fact that we are seeing, as you describe it, this muted voices of, I don't know if we can say if it's civil, civil society as a whole, or if it's muted voices co- collectively of, of, of the population. But what is behind this? Is it a malaise? How do we describe it? Um, I suppose what I'm saying is I'm trying to understand why, you know, we are responding or not responding in the way that we're seeing to these multiple crises in this country. Yeah, okay. Look, academics not only study these things, but academics write books about them. Uh, and I published a book about this uh, last year. 
Um, in a nutshell, the, you know, if you go back to the heyday uh, of, of the people's movement uh, for, for justice in this country, it was during the apartheid period uh, when obviously 90% of the population was united uh, because 90% of the population was treated like uh, second-class human beings and demanded to be treated with dignity. Um, what has happened since then is that we've had a particular kind of change in this country. And the change that we've had is that, um, you know, I, I always illustrate this by saying if you think of South Africa in 1994 accurately as a country which is run by an exclusive club, and the exclusive club consisted only of white people, what has happened over the last 30 years is that the club has taken on new members. So it's not just a white club anymore, but it's still an exclusive club. And that means that, as I indicated earlier, you know, when we have conversations in this country about where we should be going, it's one-third of the population at most who are participating in those conversations, and two-thirds are totally excluded. And sadly, the two-thirds who are totally excluded are the people who are suffering most, uh, the people who went through uh, most during COVID, uh, the people who are now battling to come out of COVID. Uh, and unfortunately, if you have a situation in a country where it's always one-third either ignoring the other two-thirds or talking about them but not listening to them, then the only concerns you hear are the concerns of uh, people who get a salary and people who get a wage. And unfortunately, most South Africans don't get a salary or a wage, and we don't hear about them. So the problem is that, you know, we're still a society in which the majority are excluded from decisions, but they're no longer excluded from decisions because they're black. They're excluded from decisions because they live in poverty. Uh, and that is what we urgently need to start addressing. We need to start listening far more to the two-thirds of the population who are not heard, uh, and we have to start thinking about how we have a national conversation which includes those voices. Because until that happens, uh, I think you're going to have a situation in which we're going to have uh, events like the one we have today, uh, which are going to be talked about for a day or two, but they're not going to be terribly effective. Uh, and then we carry on as though we don't have a huge poverty and inequality problem in this country. Right. We do have a huge problem, and we need to start urgently listening to the people who are at the wrong end of that problem. All right, Professor Friedman, let me thank you for your time. On that note, let me invite Mandla Isaacs. He is a political economist onto the show. Mandla, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy, and to your listeners. Thank you so much for being part of the conversation. I suppose your own take on helping us understand um, what may be happening in the country currently. Well, I think my take is that it's completely understandable. You know, you alluded earlier to the fact that, you know, there are protests around the world. The reality is that in all countries at all times, when citizens are going through severe economic hardship, you know, they look to the the government for for solutions and, and for leadership. We see, uh, you know, the, the UK, um, the, the politicians, the Labour and the Conservatives are debating whether they should offer ha ha heating subsidies as energy costs are rising uh, and are putting pressure on household budgets. We see in the United States that uh, President Biden is expecting to, uh, that his party is expecting to suffer some losses in the November midterms because of rising inflation uh, in that country, although it has started to moderate. 
And so the reality is that, you know, in any democracy, citizens are going to, as their budgets are being affected by inflation, by energy costs, uh, food costs rising, particularly with the, the fallout of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, then, you know, citizens are going to, to act out. Now, in South Africa, we have, um, as you, you know, alluded to earlier, that this is happening on, the, on, on top of, you know, the fact that we have the highest unemployment rate in the world, the highest income inequality in the world. Uh, we have one of the highest uh, poverty levels in terms of the share of our, our population. Something like half of South Africans are, are living in poverty. And so, you know, this is completely understandable, and you're going to see this kind of uh, tension, unraveling, um, you know, as long as South African citizens are suffering and until the government can provide solutions for it. Professor Friedman talks about how effectively we only have the views of what could well be reflective of a third of this population. Uh, My guess is that the middle class would make up a significant portion of that third. Where is the middle class of this country? Do you think they, they care as much about these issues? and are willing to actually stand up and um, face off with government over these issues? You know, that's one of the biggest questions in our politics that you ask, is is the role of the middle class and, you know, to what extent uh, the middle class can be part of uh, a coalition for change in South Africa. Um, You know, I would say that the middle class has... uh, been in an, in an awkward position. Um, there's been a, you know, the middle class is, is in large part, you know, the group that Professor, Professor Friedman talks about, which is vocal in some of these different platforms. But the reality is that the, the, the vehicle or the medium to do something about all of this is politics, right? Uh, you know, in, when you, you know, that's kind of the, the paradox of South Africa is really that you know, because we've had one party being so dominant for so long, you know, there has not been the kind of political contestation you would like to see around, you know, our economic direction. So normally in a country, if you have a, a party that's in power and citizens are suffering and the economic indicators are negative, then typically the opposition parties would have a strong case to make to say that we need change, they'll be arguing for different policies, they'll be arguing that they should be elected to replace the ruling party if the ruling party is failing to deliver uh, progress. Now, in South Africa, obviously, for a variety of reasons, the ANC has has managed to maintain a mandate over time, even despite the fact that uh, there's been severe economic hardship. But we're starting to see that changing where, you know, South Africans, whether they are electing not to vote for the ANC or, or, or moving to other opposition parties, are making clear that you know they they like to see some kind of of change happen. That there's a lack of confidence in the ruling party's ability to address these economic fundamentals, and that is going to be, I think, what drives our politics in the years to come. Mandla Isaacs will leave it there for this morning. Thanks for your time. He is a political economist.